Well, good morning, everyone. How are you today? Good. Glad to have you with us. Uh, I want to encourage you as we jump into our series, we continue on in Songs of Summer, to join me in one of three ways in today's passage. So we're going to be looking at the 23rd Psalm, and you can either, one, follow along in your bulletin or in your program. The passage we'll be looking at is spelled out today and there. Two, you can open and turn with us in the Bibles and the seatbacks, Bibles you brought with you, or maybe your mobile device. Or three, if you're like, I'm just not reaching for anything, it's going to be on the screens, okay? So we've got no excuse not to follow along today. Um, so we're excited about continuing the series. I want to touch on something Bill highlighted earlier, an event we have coming up next weekend, and that's our baptism services. Spring Lake, we do baptism maybe a little different than you may have grown up with, depending on your, on your faith background. So your parents may have had you baptized as an infant or as a child, and we celebrate that. Your parents wanted you raised in the house of God. They wanted you raised in the church. They wanted you to understand what a relationship with, with God or with Christ looked like. But when you read through the New Testament, the, the time from Jesus' life on, what you'll see is it's adults who are baptized. It's people who have said, I want my life to follow Jesus. I am taking this step for myself. There's no coattailing into heaven and baptism doesn't save you when you look at what... Uh, what happened in the New Testament? Baptism is that confirmation to say, this is my relationship with Christ, and I'm all in. So next week, if you can make it, I'd encourage you to be here on the 15th, 5 o'clock. You're going to hear people's testimonies who have, who have made that jump. The way the Bible says it is that those people have made that jump from darkness to his everlasting light. From being separated with Christ, you're going to hear their testimonies about how they came into that relationship with Christ. And being baptized is a way of saying to everyone, I'm alive in Jesus, and I'm excited about it. So that's going to be next weekend, 5 o'clock, plus there's food, as Bill mentioned, always a good thing. We hope to see you there. Now, as we get ready for this morning's message, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a good day? I mean, <laughs> we'll pray for you. I mean, I mean one of those really good days. Not just like a good day, but one of those days that you can stop and maybe you're sitting on your porch and it's not 100 degrees out or you're in your living room and you think and you think, you know what, there are problems. There's probably going to be problems tomorrow. But as I kind of reflect back in the moment, it was a good day. It was just a good time frame. Right now, life is good. So two weeks ago, Gene and I got to get away for a little, uh, little R&R, and we went up to Door County. Now, before I moved to Green Bay, we had friends who, friends who were from this area, and they would tell me about two things that I was like, okay, you guys are overkill. You're overselling this. But they were dead on. It's probably my two favorite things since moving here. One is Door County. The other is Prime Quarter. Can't go wrong with either. <laughs> So we got away to Door County, though, and just had the perfect getaway time. The weather was like low 70s, slight breeze, all sun, no rain, no bugs. The kids are old enough now. They stayed home, no kids, no calls about things blowing up at home. Everything that could have gone well did. The ice cream flowed. All diets were off. Perfect time together. It was one of those where you stop and you looked and you said, you know, could we find something to argue about? Yeah, probably. We do things different. Are there problems we need to be concerned about when we get home? Sure. But right now, it's a good day. It's beautiful outside. It kind of gave us the chance to breathe in the present. 
realize the blessings we had. It gave us a chance to, to dream about God's guidance for our future as we look forward. And we really stopped, and as our last child is about to leave the house for college, it gave us a chance to look back at the last almost 30 years of marriage and see that God has been good. He's been faithful. He's been gracious. And even in the struggling times when we can look back on it and say, look what the Lord has done. It was good. It was just a good time to get away. And when you read the 23rd Psalm, when I read the 23rd Psalm, it's that type of reflection. Now, I've taken today's passage from the King James Version, which is a little more old school than what we usually use. It's um, a little more poetic language. But some of you who have grown up uh, with the 23rd Psalm or grown up in church, this may be the, the translation that you're most familiar with. What I'd like us to do is it's going to be on the screens or, like I said, it's in your program. I'd like us to start by reading it together. If we can put that on the screens. Ready? On three. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He restore. Yeah, that's a wrong. He restore my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's the cool thing as we read this. Here you've got a shepherd talking about what life looks like as a sheep. So David, we know David as king. We know David as Goliath slayer. But before any of that happened, David was a shepherd. So David's stopping, he's looking in and he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm a sheep recognizing I've got an awesome shepherd. You may look at life and we're gonna see in a moment the shepherd's wisdom and provision and protection and you think about yourself and you're like, you know, I've got more together than that. I'm not sure I need this, this whole great shepherd thing. You may be smart. You may be smarter than your kids, your boss, your spouse. You may be smarter than your pastor or your friends. You may know better than everyone in your own mind. But when it comes to facing our shepherd, we all sound the same. Bah. That's it. That's our words of wisdom. And what I want us to do is we're going to look at this passage again. We're going to do this two more times. But this first time, we're going to look through it again, and I want us to look at it the way David did. We're sheep, and we've got a great shepherd. Every place, what I'd like you to do on your outline in your program, or on the passage in your program, every place that talks about what the shepherd does, can you underline it? I want us to compare in a moment the shepherd's role and the sheep's role. But we're going to start with the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. 
His rod, his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in his house forever. We see the shepherd's role. Now let's go back through and look at what's our role. What's the sheep's responsibility in all of this? The first thing, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, verse 2, am made to lie down in green pastures. I am led beside still. Another translation says, quiet waters. I, verse 3, am to be restored. I am to follow in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am not supposed to be afraid. I am to be comforted, am comforted. I, here's a good one for us, I am to eat at the table the shepherd prepares. I'm anointed, my cup runs over. We're going to look at that in a minute. It's a pretty cool picture that God gives us here. And then verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's pretty cool when we look through this that we see the shepherd does all the heavy lifting. The shepherd does the work in preparing for the sheep. The sheep get to enjoy the benefits of the shepherd if we'll pay attention to the benefits of the shepherd. So with that realization, the role of the sheep, the role of the shepherd, let's look at what David has to say. Let's look at the first line. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Another translation says, I lack nothing. That is the most un-American sentence in the Bible. (laughs) I shall not want. It's the secret to the rest of the passage. I am in want for nothing. I lack nothing. I don't need a thing. I have all I need. It's a statement of contentment. I may not have everything my ego wants. I may not have everything I see. I may not have everything that surrounds me that everyone else says is cool. I may not have everything my neighbors have. But the Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. The secret is to not get sucked in to the want. It's not to get sucked in to everything that's going on around us. So a few years ago before moving here, I I played in a softball tournament. It was an international tournament, and we were playing a team from Puerto Rico. Close game until about halfway through, three quarters of the way through the game, we realized this pitcher couldn't throw a strike to save his life. He walked three or four people in a row, without throwing a single strike. And then he started realizing he's in trouble. So the next batter would get up and he started talking trash. I bet you can't hit this pitch. Ball. I bet you can't even play softball. Ball. Then he started talking about our moms. Ball. You don't swing at this pitch, I'll meet you in the parking lot after the game. Ball. Take your base. You're afraid. You're afraid of me, aren't you? Ball. Swing the bat. I bet you can't hit it out of the infield. Ball. Talking about my mom. Talking about my grandma. Ball. Take your base. 
Do you know he got in some of our players' heads to the point they started swinging? They got lured. They got suckered into the want. Oh, yeah, I'll show you. I can do that. I want that. Maybe it's a sale. Maybe it's a new tool. Maybe it's new technology. Maybe it's a new dress or shoes or suit or a style of clothing. Whatever it is, don't get sucked in to the want. Don't get sucked into what you think you want that you need to have. I didn't even know it existed. (laughs) One writer said, I shall not want, expresses an affirmation that my life will not be controlled by wanting all the time. Always wanting things is a miserable way to live, but it's a common one. The similar idea is shown in the 10th commandment Moses gives us in the Old Testament when he says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or servants, his ox or his donkey, his riding mower or his pickup truck or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. Next verse. He makes me lie down. In green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. Anxiety is an expensive habit that might be worth it if it worked. But it doesn't. Worry never brightened a day, cured a disease, or even solved a problem. Food and water are necessary, but sheep will chase after things and leave what they need. Sheep will put themselves in danger. So what does the passage say? The shepherd suggests that you lay down. The shepherd has a good idea that maybe you should take some time. Nope, it says the shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us, he pushes us toward the paths where the still waters are. Have you ever had those times in life where you're like, why isn't this happening? Why is nothing breaking right for me? Why isn't the door opening? Maybe he's making you, making you lie down. Maybe he's making you wait. Why isn't the relationship going the way I want? Maybe you're not ready. Maybe you need some green pasture time. Rest, catch your breath, get healthy, follow the leading. The Lord is my shepherd. I follow the path he leads me on. Or I'm the sheep who chases what I want. Because he or she may never come around again. Because that job may never happen again. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. It's so hard. Anybody, anybody like um, hobbies, fixer-uppers, repairing things, building things? Anybody? Anybody? All right, two, three, okay. Some people, when it comes to stuff like that, you're tinkerers. I'm jealous of you because you can start a project and you're good kind of taking it on little by little, making it happen as you get the pieces, the parts, the time. I am not that way. When I start a project, the Lord's calling. (laughs) When I start a project, I want it done. I want to take it on. I don't care where the green pastures on or I'll blow right through it. Gina and I bought a, a fixer-upper, major fixer-upper, about a year ago. And it has taken time, which I don't like it taking. It has taken money, which I don't like it taking. It's coming along, but it's never fast enough. 
Enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. Lie down in green fields. Be led beside still waters. I was here, this was about four years ago, and I came home from work one day and I was just frustrated. And one of my daughters was like, what is wrong? I'm like, well, this isn't happening and this role isn't being filled and nobody's getting this. And I kid you not, my daughter goes, dad, you've been here for one week. Give it time. <laughs> he leads. He knows the paths. Paths mean someone's been there before you. He knows where it's headed. I wouldn't trade what we have now as a staff, as a team, as a church for anything. The Lord is my shepherd. Let him lead. He may make you do things, but follow that lead. Pastor I worked for in Ohio, his name was Roy Harless. He used to tell me all the time, I've I was driven, focused. I was in my 20s, charging to go. And he'd tell me all the time, he'd say, Jack, don't be driven, be led. I'd joke back. I'd say, I stay driven because there's nowhere to park. <laughs> but my driving would head me right toward a cliff. He leads me. Let him lead. Verse 3, he restores. Another translation says, he refreshes my soul. Weariness pulls us down. Self-reliance will mislead us. Disappointments can discourage us. Anxiety plagues us. Guilt can consume us. But Calvary is the compost pile for all of it. Realize who the good shepherd is. Let him refresh your soul. Realize what he's done for you. We don't need to get so wound up over some things that the shepherd has said, I take responsibility for. Trust the shepherd. He leadeth leadeth us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I will fear no evil. Fear is worry's big brother. Fear can be crippling. Fear when you feel like no one else is with you, can cause a state of fright. It can lock you up. And I want you to think about it from a sheep perspective. Sheep were not gifted with like incredibly sharp teeth or claws or ninja skill climbing ability. It's a sheep. Sheep go through a valley and the shepherd leads them and sheep see all the shadows that are on the side of the hills. There's the wolves, there's a lion. There's a bear. There are bandits all around the, in the valley where the rock slides can hit and the ground is unstable from all the rocks that are there. Have you ever seen sheep's feet? They're not made for going through loose terrain and rocky terrain. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's shadows everywhere, but I'm not going to be afraid because the shepherds gone through before me. The valley is a vulnerable place. Every other creature, when you're in the valley, has upper ground. Every other creature is at a point where they have the upper hand in an attack. It can be fearful. And some of you right now may be in the place where you're in the valley. You're looking at everything going on and you're looking at what could happen. You're looking at what could be the result. You're looking at what could be the report. You're looking at what could be the response of others. But you don't go through the valley alone. The shepherd goes through before you and make sure it's clear. The shepherd goes through 
The promise in, that David writes is the shepherd goes through with you and protects you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. He's got me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Comfort comes from both the rod and the staff, which is interesting because they serve two very different purposes. One is for protection. One is for correction. Notice David doesn't say, I like the one, but I hate the other. David said, even in the correction, my shepherd's taking care of me. And in the protection, I know I'm safe. Sometimes we do or we go through things. We put people above the great shepherd and correction may need to happen. Sometimes life falls in place in a way that the, either the correction of God or you run a stoplight and you get hit. And you go, why did this happen? But the shepherd's with us through it. His rod and his staff, his protection and his correction. I'm not saying the stoplight, let me clarify, is the correction of God. My thing is when you, when you break the law, when you break the rules, when you don't do things God's way, there can be repercussions. Amen. We need to be prepared and appreciate both. Verse five, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So a shepherd would see a field and he didn't just turn the sheep loose and go eat because there's lots of green grass and it all looks good. Did you ever think maybe there's lots of green grass and no other sheep because the other animals in that field eat sheep? <laughs> this looks like a great opportunity for me. Everything's right. Uh, it'll eat you. The shepherd goes before you. He checks to see what other wild animals may be in the area. He checks for a wolf's den. He checks for a hibernating bear. He looks for a mountain lion that may be hiding behind the crevice of a rock. He looks for poisonous snakes that can be in the grass. He looks for poisonous plants that are dangerous for sheep. Sheep are not the pickiest eaters. He looks for those areas where there, there may be a hole in the ground or a, a crevice or some sort of ledge where a sheep could, could break its leg so it knows to mark and give boundaries to the sheep. He goes before us and prepares a table for us. He prepares the ground for us to eat, even in the presence of the mountain lion or the bear or the wolf of the bandits. He goes before us and sets the table for a blessing. We've got a good shepherd. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup runneth over. I love the word picture here. Let's start with the second one. My cup runneth over. So when you go for dinner during this time frame, if you went to a big feast, you'd be given your cup and, and you'd have your chalice and you'd drink and you'd put your cup down. And if the host left your cup empty, it meant it was time for you to go. You could slam your cup down. You could shake it around. You're ready for more to drink. And if there's nothing there, get the hint. The party is over for you. If you put your chalice down and they filled it halfway or they'd fill it near the rim, that meant you are welcome to stay, but the clock is running. You get a refill, but don't plan on hanging around too much longer, depending on how much they filled your cup. But if you went to the party 
and you put your cup down and the host came and filled your cup to overflowing. That's saying there's an abundance in this party. We are glad to have you here. We're celebrating your presence. The good time is still on. David says, when I get in the presence of my master, when I get in the presence of my shepherd, my cup overflows. He loves my presence. He loves having me with him. And there's no time limit to that. There's no limit to the blessing of the shepherd. My cup overflows. He anoints my head with oil. This was a fun learning curve for me. So for sheep, first of all, from the human perspective, an anointing was a sign of a responsibility or a calling or a task. We saw David being anointed when he was young to be king. But from a sheep and a shepherd perspective, a shepherd would take oil and put it through the sheep's wool because the big burly wool, burlowy wool of the sheep would get caught in thickets and bushes. That was one reason their heads were anointed. But the other reason was because as sheep would eat, as their head is down in the ground and as they're eating the grass, they're taking it in there with these little things called sand fleas. The sand fleas would jump up into the sheep's ears eyes and nose and burrow in. Doesn't it make you want to scratch your face? They would burrow in, especially to the nose of the sheep and begin to lay eggs. On the outside, everything looks fine. The sheep is still brillowed and and all the fur and it's walking around and eating. But as those eggs begin to hatch, that sheep would begin to lose its mind. It would begin throwing its head all over the place, banging its head against trees. It would throw off the other sheep, all because of these little gnats. But this oil was full of herbs, and it was a salve that once it was applied, would calm the sheep down It could go back to eating. Reading on this, and you can Google this, by the way. All of this is out there. They still do this stuff. Because of all this, it's a, a one shepherd guy, I guess that's a term. Uh, one guy wrote, he says, when the nose flies hover around the flock, some of the sheep become frantic with fear and panic in their attempts to escape their tormentors. They'll stamp their feet erratically and race from place to place in the pasture, trying desperately to elude, elude the sand fleas. Some may run so much they'll drop from exhaustion. Others may toss their heads up and down for hours. They'll hide in any bush or woodland that, that offer shelter. On some occasions, they'll refuse to graze at all. All this excitement and distraction has a devastating effect on the entire flock. Ewes and lambs rapidly lose condition and begin to drop in weight. The ewes will stop milking and their lambs will stop growing gainfully. Some sheep will be injured in their headlong rushes of panic. Others may be blinded and some even killed outright. What an incredible transformation this would, uh, this would make. Once the oil is applied, what an incredible transformation this would make among the sheep. Once the oil has been applied to the sheep's head, there was an immediate change in behavior. Gone was the aggravation, gone the frenzy, gone the irritability and the restlessness. Instead, the sheep would start to feed quietly again, then soon lie down in peaceful contentment. I can see a bear. If a bear is coming, I know what to do. Run. I can see a mountain lion. 
If a mountain lion is coming, I instinctively know this could be bad. If a bandit is coming, I know they don't mean well. But it's the stinking little fleas that nobody else sees that get under my skin that drive me nuts. We have things going on in our life, every one of us, that are the little sand fleas that burrow under our skin that nobody else may see, that you may feel like I am fed up. You banged your head against the tree long enough and you think, this is too small to take to God. This isn't really that important. This shouldn't bother me this much. But it's the little fleas that sometimes cause us the most aggravation. We'll go to God about the bear, the lion, the bandit, the wolf. But I want to challenge you. Let him anoint your head with oil when it comes to the little things too. There is nothing that is too small for God to handle. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The Lord is my shepherd in all areas of life. I shall not want. I'm good. I'm protected. I'm provided for. I'm cared for. I'm loved. I have his mercy. What's the next part part say? His mercy and his goodness follow me. Another translation, I love this, pursues me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's start with that last part. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you have a sheep in your house? Anyone? Show of hands. One person, sure. None of us have sheep in our house. Why? Because they're not usually considered pets. But what does this say? The shepherd brings his sheep into the house. He cares for the sheep personally, like family. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy pursue me. Why does it pursue us? Because we need it. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, our great shepherd Christ, the iniquity of us all. Goodness and mercy protect us, follow us, pursue us all the days of our life. Goodness to provide, mercy to pardon. The Lord is our shepherd, our great shepherd. When we launched the series, I gave you a couple of things that I said, here's the challenges I want to lay out for you during this entire series. I want to go back and look at those in regard to the 23rd Psalm. The first challenge I gave you with the whole book of Psalms was be ready to stretch. Be ready to stretch. So with the 23rd Psalm, how do I stretch? Relax. For some of you, it would be harder for me to tell you to relax than go work harder. But what does Psalm 23 tell us? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. Relax. Relax. When my daughter came back from South America, I said this about a year, year and a half ago, she taught me a word that that just stuck with me. The word in, in Spanish is tranquilo. On three, everybody, everybody. Ready? One, two, three. Tranquilo. Relax. And that's going to be a stretch for some of us. Let the pride down. Let the want down. Let the drive down. 
lay down in the green pastures. This week, when work gets busy, when home gets busy, and you can't shirk these responsibilities, I want you to go on your refrigerator or your mirror or your car window and just write one word as a reminder. Just write, bah. I want you to go into sheep mode and just write, bah. Do you need me to spell it? B-A-A-A-A-A-A. How many you need? The Lord is my shepherd. Relax. Second, be ready to be real. When we read the 23rd Psalm, be ready to be real. No front needed. Let the pride down and be real. 